This is the Trivium Dad Podcast. My name is Nick, and welcome. Dearest listeners, I'm here to ask for your support, not your financial support. It would be great if you could donate. It would help support the Trivium Dad podcast and Upward Enrichment Service. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, then leave a review because it will help other people find the show. And two, tell a friend about the show. Or better yet, tell a whole bunch of friends. Thank you. This program may contain strong languages and topics that might not be suitable for all listeners. Welcome to the Trivium Dad Podcast. I'm excited today to have uh, my guest, Colum Cronin, who is the Senior International Officer, Dublin City University. Currently, the Senior International Counselor, Colum has been working in higher education for over 15 years with experiences and expertise across student support, recruitment, international affairs, and program development. Colum is passionate about elevating students' voices and empowering cross-cultural collaborations. Colum created Dublin in December, a program to support and connect international students while campuses are closed for holiday periods. Taking inspiration from this project, similar models are subsequently being rolled out in a number of institutions around the world. He also developed and managed a study abroad program, which was voted the best in the world by studyabroad101.com. Colum co-hosts the award-winning Adventures in Advisement podcast and is an active content creator on social media. Colum, how are you? I'm very well, Nick. I'm glad to have the opportunity to chat to you this evening. So thanks for the invite to, to come on to your podcast. It's, um, it, it is strange though, to, to hear, I suppose, oneself referred to in the third person in, in, a, in a bio intro. But um, no, I, I thank you for, for going through that. And again, thanks for the opportunity to, to chat this evening. Thank you. Yes, I had an opportunity to listen to your podcast. I'm a novice compared to you and Matt. And I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. So I could only imagine being on the other side of the table, uh, being asked questions probably is a little awkward. So I'll do my best on my end to make sure that everything comes across as clearly as possible. And I think today's show, when it comes to academic advisement, I know I'm in New York City and you're in Ireland. And I know we can look at it from a global lens, and which may add a different dimension. Uh, that may be beneficial for all the listeners. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, 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 learning 
is never wasted. I think any opportunity you have to learn is always a great thing. And I know you say you're, you're an amateur, but you've done a, a nice job so far. You do a great job with, with your podcast. And just to have the opportunity to talk about different education systems and different approaches to education, I think will be interesting, I hope, for listeners. And they'll be able to have some takeaways at the end. Most definitely. And I guess the first question, like I could relate to this. I was a first generation college student uh, growing up. When I went into college, it was really difficult for me to adjust academically and socially. I didn't know what academic advisement was until my sophomore year. For the people listening to the show, what is academic advisement and its role in helping students? That's, it's an interesting, really interesting question because I love different people will have different definitions of advising. So I'll probably talk a little bit about the way I see academic advising and, and the role of academic advisors. And for me, what academic advisors do is we or they guide and support students along the student's educational journey. They empower students to make the most of their college experience. And academic advisors help students be successful. But success looks different for every student. And so I, I think that uh, advising, I mean, it's essentially a process that the, the, the student and the advisor enters into uh, to explore uh, the, the higher ed environment, to explore the institution, to review the courses, to look at services, to examine the policies of the institution, and to discuss plans to develop plans and, as I said, to, to assist you along that journey. Now, I think it, it definitely is a little bit different in, um, in the United States than it would be in Ireland because in Ireland, it, it's a, a different, slightly different system that we'll, we'll get to. So, advisors would have as much um, impact into course selection. Uh, students would, would have fewer choices in terms of the courses they're going to take. So really over here, um, the advisory service acts as a point of contact, a point of support, uh, and referral for students throughout their, their studies. Uh, and it, it is the same in the United States. It's just, I suppose, in the States, you have the addition of the, the course load, course selection. And then, they offer time and space to exploration and they help you to find pathways to deal with those issues, whether they're personal, social, emotional. Uh, advisors can provide information about the policy, procedures, the service support available to the student around the institution. And that's because advisors are at the heart of the institution. They work directly with students, but they also work with admin staff. Uh, and so they, they, they really have a comprehensive three view of the entirety of the, the, the institution. That's why they're so well-placed to endeavor to ensure that each student's experience is uh, as meaningful and fulfilling as possible. As a professional in the field, what is the most rewarding aspect of your job? For, for me, the most rewarding aspect is seeing students happy because I don't think anyone works in higher ed for monetary gain. The money just 
it, it, it isn't there. That's not what motivates anyone in the field, I don't believe. Um, and if you get into it for that, I think you'd leave pretty, pretty quickly. But it, it's seeing students overcome a challenge. It's seeing students achieve their goals. And like I said to you in, in the first question, success looks different for every student. So sometimes you'll have a student who, you know, is a year or two into their program and, and they realize that it's not working for them for various reasons. And so they want to, to change or go elsewhere. And seeing a student do well if they've made a change, that's really rewarding as well, because it really is about seeing students happy. And so whatever success looks like for them, I mean, it, it might mean that, you know, you, the university experience or the college or the higher ed experience might be for that student at that particular time. So they might need to press pause and go elsewhere. But if they're happy with that decision, then that can be really, really rewarding. And so the other thing that, that comes out to me is around the, the cultural exchange that we you mentioned in my bio, because I, I have been fortunate in my 15 years working in the field. I've worked primarily with international students and I really believe that international students bring so much to an institution, to a campus, to a country. Ireland has benefited enormously from having people from all over the world come here. And I believe the world has benefited from having Irish people go out into the, into the world. But we can learn so much from each other. And we all have different perspectives and we all have different cultural viewpoints. And so for me, I always try to learn from my students and I'll try to get the students to interact and, and to teach one another about um, different cultures because we are certainly here in Ireland at orientation events. We very often say to international students, you know, this is Irish culture, this is how we do things here. We don't stop to say, what's it like where you're from or, or give us your perspective. And I, I think that is something I endeavor to try and do because I feel I will learn and grow through that process. And I definitely have learned loads from students over the, the 15 years. And that's really rewarding as well, that I think working in a higher ed does lend itself to learning for everyone involved in um, the, the process. And so for me, the, the happiness of students and the learning that everyone engages in those are the two most rewarding aspects for me. Definitely. And, you know, from New York City, we're one of the most diverse um, states when it comes to dealing with different races and ethnicities. And I'm, I'm blessed because I interact with many different people all day. You just learn so much. And when you could learn from students, when you care and you're happy at what you do and you have a passion for it. I think it just resonates. Everybody's different. Like you said, it's not a vanilla approach. So some people may need to like, you know, take a break. Like you said, take a pause because maybe they have to work to provide for their household. Maybe they have some medical issues. I guess when you care for what you do, again, it's not for the money, right? It's just because you want to give back in a way as well. So it's great to hear no, that. No, I, I think I, I really like the way you put that. Uh, Nick, I, I think it is in essence, working in education is is a service in, in, in many respects. And and so, you know, you, you I, that's the, the way I, I would see it. You, you are you are giving back, but you get a lot in return for that. Definitely. And what you do, uh, I know you work with international students and I'm kind of digressing a little bit, but 
I know over here, the F1 process, especially going through, you know, the CVS and, you know, students providing all kind of the documentation because that could be convoluted given the pandemic. It's been hard for international students to come to the U.S. I know each uh, colleges, each uh, institutions may have innovative approaches in which typically, from what I know, international students cannot take courses online. They have to go full time in the U.S., but I believe there has been some flexibility with students if they want to go to a college in the U.S., perhaps they could take the, in, the online courses at their home country. So I'm wondering, in Ireland, has the pandemic affected people going into Ireland? It, it has it in, in ways in that um, all, our, all our institutions essentially went online for semester one. And my own institution... Um, Dublin City University, um, so I'm, I'm speaking in a, in a personal capacity, but Dublin City University made the decision early. They made a decision in April that semester one was going to be online. And, and that was good because it allowed the lecturers time over the summer to, to plan for that. And I think that helped to improve the, the teaching experience. Um, I think for, for students, um, Ireland did a good job around endeavouring support international students in in many ways. Um, international students who were working and who lost their job as a result of the pandemic were eligible for what was known as the pandemic unemployment payment. So it didn't matter where in the world you were from or even if you were studying, if you lost your job as a result, you were eligible for that. Um, and they, they also uh, over here, if you uh, required medical treatment for a COVID illness, that treatment was free. So Ireland did really well in that. Um, certainly, it made immigration matters m- more difficult because immigration, uh, the office had to close and, and trying to register people. So it, it was a difficult situation for the, the students and stressful. But I do think the immigration office did the best they could um, in, in trying to, to deal with that situation in, in terms of extending people's kind of permissions automatically. It made travel um you know difficult like if you were uh, if you were if you were in ireland they, it was fine um but if you were a student who, who had left ireland you know to do research or something then you would have had to apply for a new visa and we did have a a, a cohort of, of students who um came to ireland in september but at my own institution the majority of students this year will actually arrive in january so that was a, a, a big change, certainly. And they, those students were studying online for semester one, and they were all around the, the world. So they were dealing with time zone differences. They were they were dealing um, with, particularly at the undergrad level, you know, where where you're making that transition to a new institution, and you know, you don't necessarily have the communities of support that you would if you were a second or third or fourth year student. So that certainly there were cha- there were definitely challenges this year, and I, I think we we probably all need to get a little bit better with realizing that the virtual space is completely different from the physical space, and you cannot merely replicate the physical in the virtual. They they are very different spaces, and so you need to find new ways to engage with students in the the virtual space we're definitely learning we're definitely getting better around that but that's something that that needs to 
continue, I feel. So the pandemic has definitely had um, an enormous impact on higher edu- education, I think, around around the world. Any of my um, friends and colleagues that I speak to in different places, it's impacted on them. Um, I, I think for certainly for advisors, um, it put enormous strain on, on their workload. And I'm actually taking part in an event and hosting it on Thursday this week. Um, a cele- I guess a celebration of advice. So we want to it's uh, between the Advising Association in the UK and the Advising Association in the Netherlands. And we're bringing advisors or personal tutors, as they're called in the UK, together um, at the end of, of a, a, what's been an undoubtedly challenging year to get people to reflect on why they work in higher ed what their passions are, what their, to rediscover those, those motivations and, and to celebrate and champion what advisors do in terms of supporting students along um, the journey because it definitely has been, been a tough year for everyone. Yeah, and a lot of people need that rejuvenation, especially to sometimes you just need to see the silver lining to meet other professionals that are going through the same thing and to just talk about it. And I did listen to your episode, Facilitating Learning, and I know the caseload with academic advisements can vary, right, with colleges and university. And I know with the pandemic right now, the one of the main ways that students are reaching out to colleges and universities as email. And I kind of equate that now to text messages because you may get hundreds of emails, but one email could lead into 10 to 15 real easy. And I wonder, you know, academic advisors, it all depends on how many, you know, how well-staffed uh, advisement may be based on college budgets and so forth. How do you deal with that? Because you know, you got Zoom and you got WebEx and all these video platforms, but how has uh, academic advisement been able to deal with this virtual world? I think advisors and, and the people I, I, I speak to have, have been very responsive because, as I said before, they were right in the cold face of it. And certainly for me and my work, I, I was using Zoom already because I would have been working with students prior to their arrival in Ireland. So working with students in different countries and on different time zones wouldn't have been unusual for me. But I do think it has put an enormous strain on advisors because working from home and people who who work in um, professional services, who work as advisors, they tend to want to help. And so they tend to now be working um, long hours. And I, I'm hoping that like institutions and particularly, um, you know, this is from talking to colleagues in the United States and, and then Canada as well. Um, they, they are working phenomenally long hours a lot of the time. And I, I'm hoping that institutions will see that um, there's a need to meet students where they are. And for students during this time, we're learning that, you know, this um Students are very comfortable with using online technology. They they don't always always need the the face the the, the physical face space. Sometimes they they do, but they're actually fine. They, but they do like the one to one. Um, they 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 much prefer that to um you know generic or uh, impersonal information. And they that's I think because you know um. Everything now, you know, you're a, you can understand that desire to 
to have that that personal experience, especially given the fees that some students are, are paying. But we definitely need to support advisors and support the staff who are dealing uh, with students at, at the cold face so that, you know, they they do get breaks. They, they do get to, you know, have time in the evening to recharge because it's so tempting um, when you're at home and, you know, the evening comes and you have dinner and then you think, oh, I, I, you know, I can just get through some more of my emails and that'll, that'll cut it down a bit. Or, you know, I, I know that student has family responsibilities or work responsibilities. Why don't I, you know, have a, a call with them this evening? But then you find yourself up early in the morning because there's another student who needs a call. And we should be meeting students, you know, as much as we can and where they are. But that requires additional resources and, and it will require institutions to put the, uh, those resources in place so that we can meet the, the needs of, of the students. But I think in terms of, of advising, um, it, it seems to have worked quite well in, in, in terms of the teaching. It seems to have worked quite well. This is from talking to, to my own students. The, some of the difficulty has come around the more social aspect, trying to, to get to know new people, trying to, um, you know, because um, that won't work in, in a Zoom. A Zoom coffee morning won't allow you to meet new people because if we go along to a coffee morning on, on campus and I don't know anybody, but and you're there and you don't know anybody and I kind of get chatting to you on the periphery of the coffee morning and then, you know, somebody else comes over and now it's the, the three of us and we're chatting. But in a Zoom coffee morning, you can't have, uh, you know, a, a chat just to the side. It's it, it, it's very forced or, or you know, people are kind of shoved into the spotlight and, and have to do this introduction about themselves. And that it doesn't tend to be the way, you know, we we behave in, in the physical world. So from what I hear from students, um, the academic side of things has worked quite well. The support side of things has worked quite well, but it is um, the social side of things and the ability to make friends and, and meet their um, fellow students. That is the part that we probably still need to work on. I'm glad you mentioned something and want to elaborate on this. And I think it's a paradox because from the professionals I know that are working from home, the hours is much longer than it would be if you were in your office because you could actually see students face to face. You could take telephone calls. Uh, it becomes more personalized. I think professionals in higher education are really grinding to a nail because they understand the situation. Students, this is their first time going to college. It's a, it's a hard adjustment, not only for the students, but for their families as well. And that's that's taken into account if they have all the resources available, if they have reliable Internet, if they have a computer that is not outdated and will support, you know, if it's whatever video platforms that a professor is talking in. So, again, I, I, I admire what professionals in higher education are doing to support students, because without that social aspect, I mean, that's the reason that was one of the reasons I wanted to go to college is to meet new people make new friends, you know, what was going to happen outside of the classroom. So I agree with you. I think that social aspect is missing. Yeah, and, and it is such a fundamental part of the the college experience in many ways, and especially for um, people who in, in those kind of 
formative years. I mean, we know the adult brain doesn't develop fully now until we're 24 or 25. Um, and, and so having the opportunity to, to go to uh, a college campus, having the opportunity to, you know, for, for, for a lot of people, it will be the first time they've lived away from home. It will be the first time they've had that level of independence that they can kind of, you know, really truly create their um, identity and, and and grow up. And so, um, you know, the, the pandemic has definitely had a, a big impact on that. And so what you're saying is right. It, it is people working in higher ed have recognized that they've, they've sought to meet the needs in supporting students, they need to be supported um, as well because otherwise, you know, they, they will hit a wall, they will run out of steam, they, they and, and then it, it becomes a, a real issue for, for those people. Yeah, and in the U.S. too, roughly 50% of students don't even know what they want to major in. Like, how do you help students decide on a major? I think for... For me, and, and it's probably a little bit different in the Irish context, because in the Irish context and, and in the UK context, to a large extent, when students make that decision early, and if you are studying engineering in Ireland, then you're pretty much taking engineering classes. If you are taking law, then you're pretty much taking um, classes about law. There might be some choice with languages or, or, or additional things that you can do. But it's it, much more of a, if you imagine a railroad and a track system than, than the freeway that exists in, in the United States. So um, students don't tend to take gen ed subjects. So it, it's a little bit, bit different, um, you know, like that. So, but wherever you go, working with students is about talking to them. It's about finding out what their goals are, what their passions are, what what it is that they want to go on and achieve, and then working with them to see how you can put a plan in place to, you know, develop and, and, and get to to achieve those goals. So while while it's different in, in what we do, um, uh, we, I, I think putting a plan in place to achieve the goals is, is essentially what it's all about. And, and it's having the discussions with the students, giving that time and space for them to, to ruminate and, and formulate the plan, and then helping them to put the structures in place to support that plan. Great analogy. In the U.S., it is a freeway, and it seems like it's more structured in Ireland. And I think that's what, because there's so many different options that students could select for as a major that they sometimes just get confused. Like, everything just looks great. It's like going into the grocery store and you see 100 different boxes of cereal, right? So it's good that students, uh, I believe, you know, from hearing what you just said, that you know, for the most part, they know what they want to do. They develop the plan with your assistant. You know, they go towards their goal. Yeah, different. It's always interesting to hear about the the different systems, uh, how how it's set up uh, in in different places, the the different admission system, the different exam systems that that exist around the world. Uh, it's something that I I definitely enjoy when I when I go to conferences or I'm talking to, to colleagues from somewhere else around the world. You know how, how do things work at, at your institution, and it can even vary from institution to institution. I've worked at, at a number of different institutions, and each institution has its own culture um, and its own way of, of doing things. So 
the the overarching goal of education might exist, but there will certainly be different ways of, of going about things. And students, when they get into college, some students have to work, they have family obligations, or they have just other personal issues that they're going through. What strategies are employed for student retention and success at the college level? And what can college students do to help their cause proactively? That's a, a really good question. And I think probably in terms of the, the retention part, uh, it, might, it might differ depending on which unit in the institution you spoke to a little bit. But you are absolutely correct that, that each student has their own microcosm. Um, going on around them, you know, so they are at the institution, but as you said, there might be family obligations, there might be work commitments, um, there might be caring commitments for an elderly, uh, you know, parent or, or, or relative. They might have other stresses that, that, that exist in, um, for them. And so it really is, it is about trying to meet students where they are. And as, as I talked about earlier, because I think that, that's really, um, important to, to try in so much as you possibly can to, to do that so that you're not adding to the, the stress uh, of, of, of the, the student and what they are kind of going through. And I suppose then it's to, to figure out like what are there, are there things that can be done to alleviate those stresses? Is it, um, is it a cost issue? Is it a time issue? Is it an isolation issue? Um, is it that the um, expectations that they're unclear about what exactly is expected of them. So it's about uncovering and and and, and discovering what, what is what's going on for for the student. And then it's about again putting putting a plan in place and supporting the, the students. Um, and as I said earlier, success is different for everyone. So sometimes success is pressing pause and the student taking a semester or a year out to get things sorted out. And then maybe coming back, maybe doing something else. So it will, it will be different. Like student success does not mean a hundred percent retention. You do not want to see a student drop out too early or drop out, um, you know, just because they've hit a bump in the road. But it is important that we acknowledge that, you know, sometimes it just won't be right for the student to continue in their course. And if they have examined and explored and talk to the option, then choosing to withdraw might be the right decision for them, and, and that's okay. Um, but I, I do think there are that, that universities um, and institutions can do um, to improve the student experience for everyone. I think a holistic approach um, it is really, really important and, and not working in silos. Um, so ensuring that um, advisors work with with the rest of the institution. I think that, you know, recruitment can't just end when the student comes through the door. The student will have a relationship with the person that helps to bring them to that institution. Um, I think, you know, the the alumni office and and alum, um, you know, our graduates have a huge role to play in um, student life because they act uh, as mentors, as inspiration for students to be able to say, you know, if I graduate from this institution, look, this person went on to do this, I could be just like them and, and coming back. So I do think it, it is a holistic approach 
And and that leads on to the next point, which I think is around building community. We we all thrive when we feel like we belong. That is, you know, what what we want. Um, when we when we are suffer most is when we feel alienated, when we feel isolated. And so institutions really need to ensure that we build a sense of community. And that's for everyone. We, we can be sometimes very good about that for the first years when they initially come into university. But what about the, for the, the second years, right? So when they're going into their second year and they're coming back, you've had all the information kind of thrown to you in the first year, but you've gone away for the summer and then you're second. Now you're coming back in second year and you're, you're like, Oh, they talked about that in the first year, but I never actually got around to using it. I wonder how that works. So that they're a cohort I think we, we, we need to look at. Um, for like graduate students or post-grad students, uh, as we would um, call them in Ireland, who come to the university to do a master's. In Ireland, the master's is one year. Those students are here for a really short amount of time. They, they come in September, they go in September. Very often they come from different institutions. And so while, yes, they may have familiarity with um, higher ed, with the, the college sector, they, they won't know the institution. And again, every institution is different. And they might be moving from, uh, you know, one area of study into a different area of study. So they're a group that, that very often needed some additional support, especially early on. And then later when, when they're coming to graduate and they're making decisions about what they're going to do next. And I also think that PhD students are another cohort who, um, you know, can really be um, alienated or isolated, particularly those in humanities and social sciences. Because if you're doing uh, a science PhD, at least you might have lab partners, you might be in the lab a lot, you might see different people around. But if you're a humanities PhD, it might just be you and your supervisor. And, and, you know, you might not be in touch with your supervisor that regularly. There's a lot of work that goes in just by yourself. And, and you might, again, you might um, you might be new to the institution. You might know how the institution works, the various supports that are available. You might feel that, you know, clubs and societies, they're full of undergrads. Why am I going to join them? What's available to, to you? Um, and, and negotiating that, um, you know, a relationship with the supervisor, um, because that can be a really intense um, relationship between, um, you know, supervisor and, and the student. So there can be a lot of stress there. So they're another group that I think, um, you know, building that sense of community, fostering that sense of belonging, that, that that's um, really, really important. And I think it's a lot of what I'm saying kind of goes back to highlighting how important advising is. And, and that it's a really critical factor in, in students' success. Um, you know, having like helpful, knowledgeable, and accessible advisors is is essential for guiding students along that path, along their journey, um, and helping them to access the resources that are available across the campus, and thus, you know, improving um, retention rates. If you if you make people feel like they belong, if you can help them to access the resources they need when they need them then you will undoubtedly improve your retention rate. So they, they worry about the cost because college is expensive and they, they want to make sure that they're you know doing exactly what they need to do so that they're not squandering their financial aid and they're not squandering their tuition money. And I think that causes a lot of anxiety. And when it comes to building the communities in the college, every piece is critical. It creates that synergy. And I think you know there are students that will access it if it's tutoring services, if it's career services, 
if it's academic advisement, it all, you know, it all matters. I mean, when it comes to even recruitment, recruiting a prospective student onto the campus, like they want to hear from faculty, they want to hear from professors, and they want to hear from athletic coaches, like the people that they're really going to be dealing with during their four years in school. So when it comes to, you know, connecting all the dots, like each piece is critical, but I believe like with academic advisement, when it comes to, you know, sitting down with that student, you said to formulate a plan, you know, to make sure that they're on track to achieving if it's getting the degree or if it's lining up to go into a graduate program or just lining up to get into their career path, building communities, that's essential because not one piece of a university with students, it has to be many touch points. That's exactly it. There are a phenomenal amount of touch points and that holistic approach is so, so important. With the social aspect right now missing, it's even more important, you know, what you're doing, what academic advisors are doing. Some students, you know, from what I know, it's like they're taking gap years. They're like, you know what, I didn't like you know, going to high school and doing this remote learning. I'm going to take a gap year because I want to get into a classroom. You know, seeing a professor, sitting with, you know, students, that that means the world to a lot of people, especially when you're paying tuition. It's like, am I paying 50K just to be online? Or can I go to, let's say, a community college where it's going to be at a fraction of the cost? So it's all of these different components that I think people are going through right now. Yeah, and, and that's, very understandable that, that people are, are looking at it and, and different things will work for, for different people. And I suppose taking, pressing pause or, or taking a year out or taking a year to decide can be a great decision for some people. Um, it, it just, and, and then particularly where, where cost, you know, is such a factor. But I suppose, um, I, I, I had somebody ask me yesterday, uh, for life advice, right? And, uh, I, 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 one of the things I said to them, I said two things. One of the things that probably works here is to, uh, like, it doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. And, and if we, if we constantly search for perfection, we're, we're, you, you, you won't enjoy the journey. And, and so it's to ensure that if you are pressing ball, if you are not going, that you have something to, to, to fill in that gap. So use that time to, um, to work so that you, you, you do top up your finance. Maybe you decide that you want to learn an, another language, you know, and that could be, uh, you know, another language like Spanish or French, or it might be a computer programming language, uh, because that, that is a, a really useful skill that you might have. But find a way to, to fill that time so that you don't make a decision that says, Oh, I'm not going to go because I don't want it to, to, you know, to, to, I, I just want the physical experience and then you're not able to have any physical experience because you know because due to COVID the restrictions are, are everywhere so um, it is ensuring that you make an informed decision and, and uh, I, I think that that 360 view that I talked about I think that's really important for any decision to, to weigh up the pros and cons and what will work best for you. Yeah, personally, I'm not a proponent of the gap year. I think, you know, this is just life uh, for me, for people everywhere. Life is not an upward trajectory. This is where you just have to deal with it. This is what's going to make you the person that you are. This is what's going to develop your character because, you know, when it comes to life overall, 
you know, you just got to deal with the cards that you dealt, right? You got to play those cards. And this is where everybody now is facing. How do you adapt to life? You know, when it comes to, you know, here in New York City, you know, small businesses are suffering, comes to unemployment rates, when it comes to, when it comes just to, you know, making sure you have what you need to survive. It's just, you know, it's really just trying to figure out what the next move is. So when it comes to, I got three sons and for me, you know, they're dealing with the remote learning. They have like a blended model approach, but because the infection rates have been going up uh, incrementally in New York right now, it's fully remote. But I believe that's why I'm not really a proponent of the gap year. I just believe you just got to grit through, figure it out. And, you know, life is a long span. So, you know, it's not like, you know, this COVID-19 situation will come and go. There's a lot more life to be lived. So that's just my take on it. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it will be different, uh, different for everyone. And I, I can definitely see your, your viewpoint. I think it, it really is just important to, to weigh it all up. And that if, if somebody is deciding to take a gap year, they know exactly why they're doing it and, and what they're what they're gonna fill their time with. Yeah, it's for each their own. Whatever is the best decision, you know, they gotta go it's it's their life. So they have to, you know, make that decision. And as long as they're comfortable with that decision, then that's what it's gonna be. You're listening to the Trivium Dad podcast. My name is Nicholas Jones and I'm speaking to Colum Cronin. And Colum, you have a podcast. Tell me more about it. Yeah, uh, cheers, Nick. Um, I, I have a, a podcast I co-host with Matt Markin. Matt is based in California, and I'm here in Dublin, Ireland, which uh, makes uh, recording interesting at, at times. But our podcast is Adventures in Advising, and we look at lots of different aspects of higher ed. We obviously talk to academic advisors, but we talk to faculty members. We talk to people who work in res life people who work in student affairs, uh, people who work in uh, even, uh, you know, uh, different aspects with, say, graduate students. Um, so right across the spectrum and, and, and talking to students as well. We've had students on, on a few episodes of talking about their experiences. So it's really for anyone who works in the area of education or is even interested in, in the area of education. And we have two episodes uh, a month. We uh, will have episode 24, which will be coming out on Monday of next week. We release on the uh, first Monday of every month and then uh, two weeks after after that. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, a lot of fun thus far. We, we've talked to people really from all around the world to, to get that, that 360 viewpoint. So a lot of people from the United States and Canada, but also from Australia, from Dubai, from the Netherlands, from the UK, from from Ireland, and uh, we have lots more planned uh, for our, our upcoming episodes. But you can find uh, Adventures in Advising wherever you get you get your podcasts. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, and if you or if you just Google Adventures in Advising, you, you'll you'll find us uh, as well. And uh, I also uh, 
I'm one of the hosts on the Irish NFL show. So if, if there's any listeners who are interested in uh, NFL and they, they enjoy hearing people with funny accents like me, um, we we have uh, a couple of shows uh, every week. You can just, uh, we're on um, Facebook, Twitter. Um, if you, the Irish NFL show, Google us and, and you'll find us. But that those, uh, those two things keep me pretty busy alongside my work in higher ed. Well, I'll tell you, you have a fan in me. I listened to a lot of the episodes uh, leading up to this conversation. It was pure gems. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It came off very well. And I definitely enjoyed listening to the student's perspective. So if you're a high education professional, if you're a high school student, or even if you're in college and you want to get the insight and you want to get the know-how, how even academic advisements work, how they try to make a better path and a better experience for you, you definitely should check out Adventures in Advising. And I think you're a Denver Broncos fan. Is that correct? I am. I'm, I'm a massive Denver Broncos fan. I, I call it an affliction, uh, Nick, because uh, I w- w- win, lose, or tie, I'll be there. So games like we, we play the Chiefs next week which is going to be tough against the, the reigning Super Bowl champions and that game won't kick off until uh, 1.20 a.m. on, oh, wow. on Monday morning. I was going to ask that. I was so, going to ask about the time zone difference because I think games around oh, here kick off like either 1 o'clock 4 o'clock or 7 p.m. in the U.S. So you, yeah, definitely 1, one 2 o'clock in the morning. You definitely are dedicated. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it may, it makes for an interesting morning the, the following day if uh, especially if they've lost. If they've won, you got the energy and you can roll, you can power through. If they've lost, it it can make for a very long day. Yeah, but when you love something, it seems like you love your profession, it seems like you love the Denver Broncos. You love your podcast cuz it, it it just seems like everything you're doing, you just have a passion for. It, so that's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I think that hopefully that does shine through. I try to live my passions where, where I can and try to, to have it come into to my work, uh, be that, you know, my, my, my work that I get paid for or the, the things I do on the side, the, the hobbies that I have. So the Adventures in Advising podcast or the, the Denver Broncos stuff. So there are Broncos fans listening. Broncos Europe, check us out. And uh, when this pandemic is all over, we, we will be doing watch parties again in Dublin. What should the audience take away listening from our conversation today? How would you like to sum it? Um, uh, I have a few things probably. I, I would say if you're a student um, or, 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 or you're working with students, always like, don't panic. I mean, institutions are, are you know, they, they can seem complex and really rigid, but they endeavor to be flexible where possible and within reason. Um you recognize that motivations can change. So whether again, whether you're a student or whether you're working with students, motivations can change for the students. So they may want to take a, a, a different path. I would always say that learning is never wasted. So bring what you learn with. Even if, you, if you're on a path for a year, for two years, for three years, and then you change your mind, that, that's okay as long as you've taught it through. And, um, you know, if you're working with a student that you talk it through with them, but bring the learning. There are plenty of people who, you know, who began life as architectures who are now musicians and vice versa. And people who are business majors who write, you know, English, English literature. So um, you can carry it with you and you can take it with you. And if you do find that, you know, you're almost at the end of, of your educational pathway, remember that there are always alternative routes. 
they're, they're, you know, so um, you can find a way. It might mean that you study part time while working. It might mean that that you you have to, you know, um, get take take get your your company to pay for additional education. It might mean that they are that you take courses in a community college for a time while you save enough money to go on to to that other institution. But um, I, I always think take a breath, talk to your advisor, talk to talk to your friends, um, and um, you know marinate in in the decision. Those are the things I would say for people to take away from our conversation today. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I very much appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed championing. Follow us on social media, UESNYS. Check out the website, uesnys.com. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Thank you for listening.